guys ready. Ready whenever you are. Did, did you shave? Is that yes, what's I happening? Did. He did. Okay. He did. All right. That's why. Yeah, he's I going did. for the baby bottom. Yeah, yeah. I don't grow a great, I don't grow great facial hair. I always try because like somehow I think it'll change over time. But it, it, keep it, hope it, alive, it right? No. Keep hope alive. Hope and change. No. I, <laughs> I feel like I feel I like hope a, not change. <laughs> I feel like a two or three year old who's looking at their dad who shaved for the first time and you yeah. don't recognize them and you're, yeah. you're like yeah. This is this is what I, I used to. For a long time, I just shaved because, again, I don't grow great facial hair. I don't, it doesn't go around the edges properly, but it also doesn't grow in evenly along the jawline. So it's like one or the other would be workable. But unfortunately, I have both. Bad jawline hair doesn't grow around the edges, so I can't do yeah. a full 50. Can't get like a, it just, it's not, it's not, it's not great. It's not. <laughs> it doesn't fill in deep enough for like the yeah. grizzled look. Like you can't get grizzled. Like I want to be grizzled is the thing, but I can't be. And I no. regret because I'm not man enough, Nick. You can't be grizzled. <laughs> get, like, um, get a beard implant. You got this. Get a beard implant. <laughs> right. Just get a beard. Is that implant. a thing? That is oh, a my... thing. So wow. there's a you know yeah. how like um yeah. you know how like you know like weaves, they're doing this thing now where they're like gluing like hair on your... Does it look your, real? Does it, it look does. Real? It does look oh. real. And a lot of... Because what they'll do is they'll enter... They'll they'll make it like part... They'll have you grow a beard and then they'll only put it on the parts that are lacking. Oh, there's so, your answer, Anthony. Get so a, they'll yeah. like... Get a patch in or whatever that is. Yeah. Because when you yeah. said that, Nick, I immediately thought when I was a kid, there was this infomercial where this guy sprayed his ball spot with paint or something. That's oh, what yeah. I really thought of. I was like... <laughs> Is it like that? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, that is that's a thing some guys do now when they have patchier beards is that they'll actually use makeup to fill in. Like, yeah. for instance, I have this like these parts right at the edge of my cheeks. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to, I could use a little bit of makeup to like fill it yeah. in so it's more. A lot of dudes are wearing makeup. They do on my job. I'm like, mm -hmm. first of all, great eyeliner because I <laughs> wish I could do my eyes like that. <laughs> yeah, I sent you. I sent you a link for instance to the pros and cons of beard transplants. It is a thing. You and I talked about this. Guys are on the receiving end of a, of a lot oh, more yeah. bad beauty messaging than I think people believe because yeah. it's just there's not a high public awareness. But guys are low key. Guys know we are actually on the receiving end of more toxic messaging than you might be aware. Wow, look <laughs> how much it costs. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, guys are out here getting beard implants and leg implants because they want to be taller. Like that shit is real. Oh, yeah. The metal bar. Yeah, yeah, that's real, man. Like, <laughs> wow, that's a real. Th oh my gosh, I'm thinking this real stuff big. is like made up, and they're just saying it on nah. Quora or Reddit. And nah. You know how they get to talking about stuff, and you just go yeah. out. So there's a there's something to be said about getting like like a beard implant because you know it just makes you more confident. But the yeah. way that they market these things is not that. No, it is not that. I would just do makeup, <laughs> honestly. If I just had a def deficiency that I felt was deficient. Uh, Cause honestly, I've seen you with facial hair, Anthony. I didn't see what you were talking about. Yeah. I think you human know, beings, I, we, we pick on head. our, you, yeah, it's probably in your head. Now. We pick on our things. Like we see what nobody else yep. 
Yeah. Or even cares yep. about. You don't see it until it's like when it's like right yep. there. You know. Right. Yep. It's like it's like um when you have a pimple and then you nobody notices until you try to hide it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's true. Yep. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, and then it didn't help. We got a whole era of like superhero stuff featuring just incredibly grizzled men. I was like, man. Yeah, Chris Evans. Chris, Chris Evans' beard and like Infinity His War is was perfect. Insane. He has a perfect beard, but in real life, his beard doesn't look like that. I think they brushed in some powder. Like I've seen his actual his beard, and he yeah. has the typical beard, like when the guys have the thin at the and it yep. thicker at the bottom. So someone is filling in the top mm -hmm. with Incredibly something. Perfect. I don't know what they're filling in with because it looks like hair. But, right. Uh, uh, but it's yeah, work. It, but they can also know, be editing it in post. Right. In a, wow. Yeah. They do a lot on computers. Do a lot of movies. In the in the most recent Thor movie, they made him look bigger than he actually was yeah. in some shots. Yeah, like really? muscle wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Voice. Which, like, why does that guy need that? Look at this. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, Did you see the picture? Did you see the picture leading up to it? I think he's posing with Taika Waititi, and he's flexing, and he looks like. If he moved the wrong way, Taika Waititi's head would come off. Yeah, he, was, he, was, he was prepping for the Hulk Hogan movie. Yeah. So he had to get super huge because Hogan was huge. Hogan was bigger than like, well, he's really tall too. Like right? six, seven. He yeah. was like six, he really? seven. He's at his peak. He's huge. So he Damn. was a huge man. He was a basketball player, tall, yeah. football player, wide receiver, wide, wide you know? Yeah. And How did that man's just, knees handle it? Jesus oh my Christ. Gosh. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. You probably didn't. Yeah, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> like, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, he says he's had he says he's had knee, neck, and back surgeries that have taken oh, a couple of years off him. Yeah. He says at his tallest, though, he was like like six, six and a half, six, seven. Like yeah. uh this dude when he was 12 was six feet tall, 200 pounds. So my son was six yeah, one yeah. when he was when he was twelve years old. He wasn't that heavy. Yeah. He was a typical skinny kid, but he was six <laughs> one. So, but I remember his knees clicking because <laughs> tall people have knee issues. They don't talk mm -hmm. about that, you know. So yep. yeah, just to put all that extra weight on you, wow. Yeah. I'm not it sure that's yeah. Knees knees yeah. are a terrible design flaw in uh, humans. They're not built for well, supporting I don't the way they humans, are. I don't think humans were meant to be well over six feet the way we've gotten with all the, you know, men, yeah. the average height was supposed to be what, five, eight, five, ten, And for yeah. women, was it five, three, five, eight, five, eight, yeah. So, I mean, that's about what our knees can handle. And then on top of that, yeah. you got to manage your weight, right? Cause right. that, that has an effect on it. So, yeah. But that's, yeah. yeah. I weighed 180 for a while during COVID and I went up to 212 and I could feel my knees struggling to support the extra 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like they were just not used to that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm still trying to shake some of the 30 pounds. I gained 32 pounds. Well, yeah, I think it was 32 or 33 pounds and I'm still trying to shake it. I've only lost yeah. you know, seven. <laughs> I, I gained a slow process. I get about 20 pounds during that time and I've lost about seven again. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm getting it's, back. It's that, that's about what it was. I There's need yet. to learn how to run again. So oh god, I hate running. I, I hate running. I hate running because like I'm taller and like I your knees hurt. Mm -hmm. 
Like, I don't want to run. My knees hurt. That's right. You are pre- I keep forgetting. Uh, I keep forgetting tall. until I see you how tall, how much taller you are. That's yeah. when I look up to like, oh, there you go. You know. Yeah. When, after you left when we were in Indiana and I, me and him were walking back to our cars and talking, yeah. I was like at his like his collarbone was like right here. <laughs> you know what? Like, the weirdest thing is try not to talk to his chest. That's what I try not to do. I'm, I don't because you feel like a little kid. You're like, eh, you know. So like, I, my like, eyes are up here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. You try to so you can see. I remember one time I went into uh, I was I hugged either Josh or Anthony. We were like hugging goodbye, and I I felt like you know how a little kid gets like <laughs> the neck hug. I was like, I want to breathe now. <laughs> see, I never realized, I was, and my family's so big that I never realized I was like. I knew in school, like generally, I was very, but like I was always hanging out with tall cousins, and I told you before, like my cousin. But your dad seemed kind of tall. I haven't my seen him in a tall. long time. But my dad's only a little bit shorter than me. My dad's probably about a half inch shorter than me. My brother's probably about an inch taller than me. Okay, I don't remember yeah. him so much because it's been a while. But I remember He's lean. Lean. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I do remember the height. I know. I remember him. I remember. You met my cousin tall. Corey. Yeah, remember after the we had here? He's like six right. four. Yeah, he's he's a big dude. <laughs> yeah, he's, and he's not even the tallest of my cousins. I got cousins who are like six nine. I got multiple. Just putting out the giants. We're man. huge. We're gigantic. I told you when we roll up on the park, people are like, "Is this a pro am basketball team?" <laughs> what happened here? You see, like three dudes over six seven. Another yeah, dude. Six, now four. that that's he's the shortest guy at six but, one. What is but this? But you know what's <laughs> funny in my family? The tallest guys don't really do the sports like you'll oh, see man. like josh a couple of cousins my <laughs> son and they're over there playing video games or trading cards on <laughs> they're off the side talking about comic books well they're so, sitting there like my knees hurt i don't want to go play basketball <laughs> that's what my son said he's like i don't want to jump around and ruin my he went through all the statistics of what happens play sports and right. that he'll die young and i'm like okay just what are you like 60 man what yeah, is this? yeah yeah so just let it go just let it go all right all right welcome to recap i'm your temporary host anthony arnold uh hosting while josh is, is cannot host these this episode and the one that we had last time as well joining me today francine boss lady Chief architect, is that better than boss lady? Chief wow. architect of Plankast. I love that, you know, for now. Chief, chief architect. <laughs> she requested a new title, so chief architect, we can try that one out. Chief Dash okay. and Nick, Nick the homie Homburg. Nick, are you good with homie or do you, I'm taking requests, are you still good with homie? Um. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have any issues with it. I, I missed. I missed when we started with Nick the he him, but eh, whatever. No, that's okay. I mean, we can. You know, we can do Nick the he him Homburg. No, he's the best. There we go. He him. Remember, he's no, like the, the best. best. The, best. <laughs> the greatest. The greatest of the As he they him. say. So there you go. Thank you both for for joining me. How are, are we doing? Well, enjoying our conversations. We don't get to chat like this all the time. No, we don't. No, we don't. This trifecta is like, have we ever had this particular trifecta other than the last show we just did? Yeah, I'm not sure we get together in this formation. It's been others. Yeah, so this has been cool. All right, good. Yeah, mixing it up, remixing it up for for, for recap. So the issue we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about the 
necessity, pros, cons of context and nuance in politics. So over the last three episodes, we've talked a bit about why people care about the issues they do. If you listeners out there, if you haven't had a chance, we've talked about religion in politics. We've talked about virtue signaling and value in politics. And in the last one, we talked about straight ticket voting, how those virtues and those values, how those can be channeled into that. And so today for this one, we're going to shift into context and nuance, because that's one thing that's been missing from a lot of the conversations around a lot of issues. So that's what we're going to talk about. But first, Nick, hit me with the trends. All right. So this time, uh, and I'm, I'm really hoping it leads into a lot of this talk, is the false consensus effect. Um, it's a psychological phenomenon, also known as the consensus bias, which is a pervasive cognitive bias that causes people to, quote, see their own behavior, choices, and judgments as relatively common and appropriate to existing circumstances. Um, in other words, they assume that their personal qualities, characteristics, beliefs, and actions are relatively widespread throughout the general population. Um, that uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I get hit with that a little too often, more than yeah. I'd like to admit. Yeah. Um, if I say, if I say, hey, you know what? The government's handing out too much money. Uh, and someone says, oh, I agree with you. Those, you know, people don't deserve that kind of money. I'm be like, you're right. We're talking about two separate types of people. <laughs> I'm talking about the ultra wealthy and they're talking about immigrants. It's, and it's a whole thing. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, you believe that people believe what you believe. <laughs> yes, and it's a, it's. A, I thought it was a logical fallacy, but it's not. It's a cognitive bias that yeah. is very hard to break because even if you know about it, you'll still fall prey to it because you're just like, I can't believe people don't believe this thing. Right. Like, how do they not? Um, right. And they don't. <laughs> it's just they don't. A fact. They do not. <laughs> no matter what you believe, someone will disagree with you. It will happen. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, I had a perfect example of this in high school. I remember it was a trigonometry class of all things. And um, the teacher said, all right, he picked one girl. And he was like, what's your favorite type of music? She said country. And he was like, all right, everyone in here, raise your hand. Who likes country music? And like only four or five other kids did. And she had her hand up. She looked down. She's like, how do you guys not like country? It's like, we just don't. I don't tell you. I mean, that is a really man that's a that's a good one thank you for bringing that up right yeah. because as we move through this conversation that's a good thing to keep at front of mind for for us but for listeners as well is that um if you tell someone who likes country music they need to have more context the context they will seek is context that validates the belief that everyone should like country music. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to seek context and nuance that disagrees with their original belief. All right. <laughs> because they suffer from this cognitive bias. Mm -hmm. uh, and they will interpret the information, even if you give them the information, they will probably interpret it in ways that, that justify the thing they believed before. <laughs> So no question. one likes to be told they're wrong. Yeah, go ahead. No. Question, and I don't know, Nick or you, Anthony, but cognitive bias, is it necessarily experiential or is it just a projection of one's opinion, right? Like, I, th I this has to be right because it's right to them. 
I think it's both. Um, okay. It can be, I'm, I'm reading the wiki page. It can be derived from a desire to conform and be liked by others in a social environment. Um, it's significant because it increases self-esteem or the overconfidence effect. Mm -hmm. um, so there's situations where uh, the false consensus effect is not restricted to cases where people believe that their values are shared by the majority, but it still manifests as an overestimate as the extent of their belief that actually wasn't relevant. Sorry, I thought it might be. Um, <laughs> I think I'm really trying to understand if they truly believe that or if they believe that others believe that. So they I, they I think, believe it to get attention or something. I think part of it is usually how it manifests for me is that I'll believe a thing. doesn't matter what the thing is. Say, I believe uh, Taco Bell is delicious food. Mm -hmm. I just haven't heard enough dissenting opinions that right. disagree with me. So I, when someone says, I don't like Taco Bell, your brain might go, how do you not like Taco Bell? Gotcha. Everyone right. loves Taco Bell. It's the, it's, right. that's the bias. It's right. not always, it's not always a. Um, like, how do you not salute the flag? Yeah, right. that one, right. I think that one might be a little different, but it's, I think a lot of times it's just, you haven't heard enough dissenting opinions for your brain to process, oh, not everyone thinks the same way I do. Okay. Right. Okay. And as part of it, you tend to think that people who don't agree with you, there's something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. So, so you like I discount think. their disagreement because there must be something wrong with you. Like, oh, you don't like country to, music. Yeah. There must be something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Obviously. Obviously. Or like you haven't heard, you just haven't heard the right country music. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one you normally get. You just haven't heard right. the right X, Y, Z. I say I say right. to people. Who, I have a lot of friends who are really big into anime and I say anime just doesn't do it for me that very eastern style of writing is just it's very grating on me they like to break the action to talk about irrelevant shit all the time <laughs> I don't like it very much I've watched what I've watched I don't really want to see new anime and they go oh well you just haven't watched the right anime and I'm like right. the style it's not <laughs> They had you a stack of blu-rays and they're like you yeah. should watch this <laughs> this will make you a fan and you're like but I don't but I don't, I don't like it. I don't I like, it. I don't. like even, <laughs> even the more popular and good ones, it's a stylistic thing. I like Full Metal Alchemist, for instance, but it's hard for me to sit and watch it because it falls under all the tropes that I really dislike about Eastern right. media. Right. Um, or like I like Dragon Ball Z, but I only watch the abridged version because that has the Western style. Yeah. Like, the, the storytelling cut. Right. Yeah. It's, that's that right. is the issue but that's that goes into the cognitive bias for the people who like anime they're like oh well they're just trying to rationalize the reason i don't like right. it because everyone right. because whether the subconscious realizes or not you the bias is that you think people agree with you and believe what you believe right gotcha. right. right and again this is important for the rest of this episode so i'm happy we led off here we can keep this in mind listeners keep this effect in mind as we move through this episode so with that, we're going to shift to our polls. Thank you, Nick, for the trends. Mm -hmm. So in U.S. politics, you regularly hear that solving problems is difficult or that answers, quote unquote, answers are hard to come up with, uh, end quote. Over the last few years, we've heard that language used to describe the pandemic, inflation, policing, and more recently, the war in Ukraine. Sometimes this kind of talk can be frustrating since it feels like politicians are avoiding giving clear answers to the questions we have. But even though Americans may think there are certain issues with obvious answers, they often disagree about what those issues are 
and they may, may disagree about what the quote obvious quote solution is. So here are two questions. What's an issue where you think there's a clear right answer? And what's an issue where you think nuance and caution is required? And for the purpose of this question, we're not going to be engaging with like trying to talk each other off or onto our thing. I just want to acknowledge that there's actually a wide, there can be even among people who may agree, sort of a wide variety of things we might actually think have right answers or where nuance is required. So Francine. Oh, wow. Hot seat. Um, there's a yeah. couple of issues where I think there's a clear right answer, but the, yeah. one of the first ones that popped into my head was, I think, you know, uh, a clear right answer for like in the context of men and women that men should not hit women. I think that's a clear uh, situation where the right answer is, you know, men don't, don't hit yeah. or women don't hit men or, you know, no, everybody stop hitting. Just don't hit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I think even within that, um, there are some nuances that I, we probably don't understand. It's not necessarily a separate issue. So I'm not answering your question exactly the same way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes things happen amongst people and you, you don't know when someone has to defend themselves. Yeah. If someone has a mental break and you don't know if someone's responding to that. And so where I have a clear right answer, you know, and I, and I, and I have to preface this by saying that I've been involved in domestic violence against women. So that's where my mind is going. Um, it, it's, I have to also make room for situations where my yeah. right answer may not be the right answer in, in all situations. Right. All right. Thank you. Nick? Repeat the question for me. Yeah. Two questions. What's an issue where you think there's a clear right answer? And what's an issue where you think nuance and caution is required? Nuance and context slash caution is required. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. All right. I, I, I'm going to make this broad. Um, yeah. I think global warming, climate change has functionally no nuance to it. Yeah. The people who argue against it are arguing that it's not real. That's not an argument <laughs> because you're not actually arguing what it is. You're right. just denying it exists. So there, there's functionally no nuance to it. Even if you don't agree that it exists, you have no argument to the points. You're writing it off on, on what it is, not like you're writing it off. You're not even writing off the argument. Yeah. You're just saying, I'm refusing to engage with that at all. <laughs> and so I think when it comes to that, when you acknowledge it exists or believe, like, yeah, I'm going to say it, when you acknowledge it exists, there is no argument to it. There is, no. it's right that we should do things to help um, reduce our greenhouse gases because humans will not survive long enough if the planet gets too hot. I, yeah. I pushed back last episode, the planet will be fine. I think we only have one earth is a terrible <laughs> argument because it's not personal. The planet will be completely fine. The life yeah. on the planet, the humans, not so much. We got a time limit. Right. <laughs> we, got, we got a time right. limit until we start like 
working towards fixing that, we're going to have some real issues. And eventually we'll hit a point of no return if we haven't already. Yeah. And so, um, but then there's other situations where I think there's a lot of nuance involved. Um, me and Francine talked about this briefly, I think, while you were um, eating, um, just in the interim of the things. Um, yeah. We were talking about how um, black and white as terms have a lot of charged um, connotations with them. Like if I walk into a bar and I say I'm not white for in whatever the conversation, people are going to look at me sideways because in their heads, like consciously, your skin color is white. What are you talking about? But the subcontext is a caste system where because my skin color is white, I'm put at the top of this caste system, which I think is wrong. I don't think I really need to specify that. But in the same in the same way, if Francine walks into a bar, says the same thing, people are going to look at her sideways like, what do you mean you're not black? I can very clearly see that you're black, but they're also subconsciously putting her into that racial caste system. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of nuance to these terminologies, for instance, is what, I, what I'm getting at of using the terms white and black or using the terms African-American, European-American, using just totally separate terms that I don't know, like vocabulary I don't have. Um, so I think there's a lot of nuance to, to talks that involve that sort of thing. All right. Thank you, Bo. My answer would be, this would be unsurprising, I think, because you guys have heard me talk about this. Uh, I think prison sentences in general need to come down pretty dramatically for across the board. Um, I Prison overcrowding is, if you look, uh, largely a function of prison sentence length. Even as we, like in prison, a smaller percentage of people, the prison sentence, prison sentence length means you have to build more prisons because you're keeping people in there for a long period of time. So uh, there's that aspect of it. I think there's like the, I have like moral sort of ethical concerns about keeping people in what are generally like horrifying conditions for extended periods of time. And I think on a pure utility argument in terms of we would like to rehabilitate this person or we would like this person to serve their penance, I think excessively long sentences uh, don't really even qualify from like a pure utility standpoint in terms of utility to society. So that's an issue where I think like clearly we think we need to shorten the overall length of prison sentences. But a couple of issues where I think there's nuance, we talked about this before, Francine, assisted suicide. I think there's a lot of nuance around why we would allow people to, to do that, under what circumstances we would grant them, like we should do it. Medical professionals, should they be participating in it? What sort of conditions qualify as like so life altering that you should be able to end your life? What we are saying about people who are born with those conditions. And another issue where I think a lot of nuance is required, a lot of context is required, is marijuana legalization. Um, because once it is legal, you have created a market for it. I have questions about the ad campaigns that you would be seeing running on the Super Bowl or that the ads that might be up at your local gas station, uh, who those ads might be targeting. Uh, kids can go into gas stations and do you want underage kids seeing ads for marijuana? Mm -hmm. We need a lot more context around the results of research into the long-term effects of marijuana, which we currently can't do because it is classified. It's like a class one drug, which is why we need to, we do also need to classify it down so that proper research can be done 
into its overall impacts on people. Um, and I have questions about seeing as how we have not been able to properly regulate like alcohol or tobacco or like opium or like opioids, like three legal drugs, legal drugs that we categorically fail to stop from literally killing people. Um, I don't want to see us make that exact same mistake with another drug. You go, oh, we have a we have a bad habit of making something legal and then say, oh, well, our work here is done. It's now legal. It's on you all. We go, that's stop making that mistake. So that's sort of a couple of issues. Uh, so as always, though, as I say at the end of these things, polls every Friday on social media like comment engage with us let us know how you guys feel uh and, and we will get in there in the comment section and you know we'll chop it up with you guys if you let us know how you feel so moving on to the the bulk of this episode so as sort of established a lot of issues aren't black and white uh, many problems don't have a perfect solution and some problems like don't even have a good one <laughs> you're just you're just picking some bad bad alternatives so what are some ways to dig deeper into an issue to make sure we're discussing it with proper depth? And the focus here is on, on, on thinking and understanding, not all solutions. So, so what are some ways we can dig deeper into an issue to make sure that we're really focusing on thinking and understanding, not necessarily solution finding? Um, so much of our politics is geared simply towards reaching the endpoint of this is the solution when really we haven't thought fully through the question that's being asked in the first place so what are some ways we can we can do that we can ask better questions without rushing towards a solution at the end what do you guys think hmm. i know this is a big one take some time yeah, take some yeah. time yeah i think I think there's something to be said um, to, to relate it to um, counselors or therapy or stuff like that. There's something to be said about when you go to a therapist with a problem, right? You're yeah. either going to vent or you're going for a solution. There's usually no in between. Um, but what a therapist tends to do is to see whatever this issue is as a symptom of something bigger. And sometimes yeah. it's true, sometimes it's not. It's context dependent. <clears throat> um, if I get in a fight with my girlfriend over the dishes, is that a symptom of a bigger problem? Maybe. It could also just be we're tense and we fought about the dishes. Like it doesn't, yeah. sometimes the, the curtain is just blue. Um, a blue curtain is just a blue curtain. That's what the setting, yeah. setting is. Um, but I think there's something to be said about the way therapists and psychologists will break down the way they ask you about it to see if there's underlying issues and they'll phrase questions that lead you towards coming to your own conclusion that might be different from the solution that you initially wanted yeah i was gonna um, say something i'm sorry go ahead. <laughs> no go ahead i that's I, I don't really have a further train of thought i just think there's an interesting connect in the way therapists yeah. ask questions with how you can probably how you can like move away from solution-based thinking more towards understanding-based thinking yeah, that's yeah. basically what I was going to say. I was going to go into that vein where, you know, I think a lot of us are trained to hurry up and find a solution 
without really understanding the context of the problem. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of hard to get to the root of a problem if you don't understand the context or in understanding some of the unspokables, right? Some of the nuances that surround uh, an issue. And so taking your time, sometimes the solution is to dig deep. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's not to fix what you see on the surface. It's to go deeper into the problem. And uh, I, to your point, um, that can sometimes lead you to a different point that you didn't plan for, nor did you expect. But again, just taking the time to do that, I think creates a greater understanding. And maybe that should be more of a goal to not necessarily, all problems won't be solved, but right. we can get to a point where we can probably understand a little bit more about how we got here. Yeah. I, have a, I have a tinfoil hat theory that goes along with what you said, Francine. I think a big proponent of why people rush to find solutions um, is because of the way we're taught in school. This is the tinfoil hat. Um, how much math do you remember or fully understand doing? If I look back at my trigonometry notes, I'm like, what does this even mean? I don't understand a word of this. But in high school, math right away. <laughs> right. But in high school, I could do it. I could tell you, oh, we do this, yep. we do this, we do this, but I couldn't tell you why. I couldn't I, I yep. couldn't tell you how and why. I couldn't deep dive into its understanding. Only basics that I know if you do 2x minus 2y, you get xy or whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but you get the idea. And I think a big thing with people trying to rush towards solution-based um, problem solving is due to the eight, uh, 12 years mm. of being forced to do that yeah. in school. Yeah. Yes. And it's and then getting a and then getting a grade on it. If you're the best at solution-based Correct. Problem solving, you get the best grade. You're a star. That's such a, that's such a good point. We're so conditioned yeah. in our culture to be solution-based people. No, we are. I, I, as you guys have been having this conversation, I've been thinking, uh, definitely going to date myself unless people like slightly older movies. The movie White Men Can't Jump. You guys ever seen it? I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, Francine, you ever seen it? I'm trying to, I think so. Leslie Stance, Woody Harrison, Rosie I know, Perez. I know, I know I've heard of it. I know. Okay, so there's a scene where uh, she's studying for Jeopardy, Rosie Perez's character, and she turns to Woody Harrelson and she says, honey, I'm, she says like, I'm thirsty. And so he goes to the kitchen, gives her a glass of water, brings her a glass of water back, and she takes it and like throws it in his face. And he's like, what did I do wrong? He's like, you said you were thirsty, so I got your glass of water. She's like, I wanted empathy. She says, I wanted you to know what it was like to be thirsty, not just give me a glass of water. And it's like, his mind was like, I'm solving the problem. Uh, you said you were thirsty. Here's some water. She's like, I wanted you to empathize with my thirst, not just hand me water. <laughs> and I keep thinking of that as you guys are talking about, because that scene is actually a really clever illustration of what you're describing the desire to solve the solution misses what she was actually driving towards, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I just keep thinking that in my head. It's like a really funny, it's a really funny movie. They're going to be remaking it. The remake will probably not be very good. So. <laughs> not <laughs> the original, biased. Not, not <laughs> biased. The original is a classic. The movie is great. Definitely a step out of time, but that's what I kept thinking of the entire time. So, so I, I 
originally, you know, we were going to go into a, a, a conversation about context being king. That was going to be the original sort of in the show notes. But as I told you guys beforehand, I'm going to shift us a little bit because at, at over the top of all of this, in addition to what we talked about, Nick, with your excellent section about cognitive bias, right? That's going to play into what I come and go into next. Over the top of it is also this other idea that more context, more nuance, more competition of ideas will lead to better outcomes, right? And it runs into the problem of like what you mentioned with cognitive bias, which is if you present a person suffering from that with more information, they will actually just see the information as defective. <laughs> it will not drive them to change their original opinion. They'll just discount what you've told them or they'll interpret it in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. And then it interacts with what I said sort of when we were sort of prepping for the episode, which is high, you know, highly competitive elections do not produce less partisan communities or states. They tend to produce greater levels of partisanship, almost as if <laughs> when you expose everybody to a lot of information and ideas, you trigger a bunch of cognitive bias at the exact same time. And it only makes everyone go, Woof. they fully separate. They just cleave from each other, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. so, so I wanted to challenge us, people who we do podcast, we talk about this stuff in Slack. We write articles about it. We are so deeply engaged in the work of seeking good information and of trying, I think, to correct ourselves. Um, thanks in part to like the community Francine has helped build here. She's really careful about who she brings into this community because she wants to keep us on our toes, challenging each other, like bouncing off of each other. So we've been intentional in this, but that's not the case in other places. So how do we look at the effects of cognitive bias? How do we look at the effects of competitive states tend to be more partisan? How do we look at this and then bring in the idea that what's needed is more context, more nuance, more information if providing that seems to trigger the very thing we're actually trying to get rid of. How do we wrap our heads around that? Um, I mean, this is like an inside baseball kind of question, right? Because I'm asking us people who are in it to think about how other people like us try to fix it. Because it seems that people in our shoes are like breaking it. Like, like, I think the work we do here is great. There are a lot of excellent podcasts that cover these things. That does not appear to be driving down partisanship. <laughs> you know what I, I think that if we're going to look at what we do here yeah i think one of the things that we try to challenge each other with especially when we're writing stories is we can't be the center of all of our stories right so we, we sit or center other people's experiences other people's perspectives and we dig for facts we go mining for information there's a certain type of intentionality that goes with trying to kind of break that uh, uh, that bias or or what have you when we when we think we're right. 
and we yeah. challenge each other, right? We challenge each other in a way that <clears throat> it's not so much that I need to change your opinion. I want to encourage you to broaden your thinking. Keep your opinion, but broaden your thinking around your opinion. Yeah. And maybe that process will get you somewhere different, but it's not my role or position or thought to get you somewhere, you know, yeah. like to manipulate an outcome, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I guess if we take that and we apply it to the world in our, in our own thinking or the world around us, kind of applying that same rationale, like I'm not, I'm looking to really understand yeah. <laughs> more than I'm looking to change your footprint in your, your thinking or, yeah, you know, and hopefully I'm explaining it properly, but I think it's, it's really about slowing it down a little bit, slowing down the train yeah, so that you can get on it <laughs> right, and, and, right. and understand it a little bit better rather yeah. than watching it go by you and just assuming that you know, that's the way that it is. Yeah. Well, I, you're, first, thank you for your answer. You are doing a good job. It's a big question I ask, and it requires us to look internally and then us to look at people who broadly do what we do here mm -hmm. and ask, like, how have we screwed this up so badly? <laughs> how have people who care about this stuff so deeply and who all think cognitive bias think they're doing good work? How have we actually managed to break this so badly? Because none of us wanted to. Like, like, most, there are I would say most reasonable people, people, most reasonable people right. don't want to. Right? right. Most reasonable people doing this didn't want to break it. Right. But I think we have to acknowledge, but maybe we kind of have. Right. Um, so I, I'm going to clarify something, and Nick, I'll shift to you next. So with Francine, okay. I'll stick on you for just a second. How do you think when you observe the way political issues are covered, reported on, written about, discussed by people doing podcasts, articles, TV shows, whatever. Are they, are, do you think they're rushing past that thought understanding part in an effort to tell voters or listeners the conclusion they should arrive at? Are they rushing past that? Because I sort of got that sense from what you were saying. Well, I think- Right. I think that people are so, especially in the news business, so want to be the first to get their message out there. Yeah. They work on time frames, And when that is your primary driver, you're going to leave a lot of stuff behind that probably matters. And so it doesn't create a lot of time that is needed to make sure you truly understand what the issue is, what the issues are maybe where they came from, and maybe even humanizing the issues, right? People don't normally humanize views that are opposite than their own. And right. because of that, it creates a lack of understanding for all views. And, and a lot of people don't realize that. Right. Me dehumanizing you really dehumanizes me. And right. it, it takes away an opportunity for us to connect. Um, and, and I think when people are reporting on news, unfortunately, sometimes you can see their bias, you can hear their bias, and you can hear their intention. Their intention is, and especially in the phrasing of questions or the way our article is written, you know, this is what I believe. Therefore, 
you believe it too, right? I mean, isn't this ridiculous? Right. Isn't this guy ridiculous? Like, you don't believe right. him either, do you? You know, the next point earlier. <laughs> right, right. And it's just like, you know, maybe he is ridiculous, but maybe it's not your role to tell me what to think. Right. Maybe just, okay, just admit you have an opinion, but how about with your opinion? Why don't you put out, okay, one third opinion, two thirds facts, right? And then separate right. them. Don't try to mix yours in with the facts. Right, right. All right. Thank you for sort of indulging me as I clarify. Nick? Um, so I kind of have a couple of thoughts with this yeah, one. And I, I, to quote Batman, the Dark Knight, <laughs> I think <laughs> you've become either dying hero or yes. long enough to see yourself become the villain. And um, there's actually a very ironic example of that. Um, so there's a podcast that we all know about where the original intent was to just get different opinions. That was the whole purpose of the podcast. Uh, the guy didn't really know much of anything, and he just wanted to get new opinions and oh, see. No. The issue with the exchange of ideas is that it also lets in bad faith actors. I'm oh, talking no. about the Joe Rogan podcast. No, I don't I listen to it. I don't listen to it. But I know it's original intent, and that's the yep. issue, right? As he allowed more people in who were not good faith actors, and just to understand them, he started to move more rightwards, and so did his guests. And that's functionally the problem. Um, when you aim to understand people, you are humanizing them, and that allows you to change your mind. You don't change people's minds by giving them hard facts. That's sort of the issue with the cognitive bias. If I, if, if to the country music example, if um, you know the. If you like country music and I don't, and I go, it's because it's bad because of this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason. You're like, I don't care. That's stupid. Shut up. If I say I don't like country music because uh, my dad died listening to um, <laughs> Old Town right. Road, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you might be like, okay, I get it. I understand. You might not change yeah. your mind, but the understanding allows you to like process it and actually yeah. acknowledge it, and that's. Yeah. Functionally, I think a lot of the issues with podcasts, I think it's a great aspiration to understand people because that's is with, with that open mind, because that is how you change hearts and minds. Right. But when bad faith people come in or like people who, who uh, we'll just say bad faith actors come in, you really run into that issue of yeah. now we're opening the floor to people who want to indoctrinate people, not change hearts and minds. Correct. No, you're right. I mean, to stick on Rogan, you know, Rogan is like just an omnivore who just grazes on everything. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's got some healthy, like here's some nice healthy broccoli. They'll have some of that. Here's literal poison ivy. I'm gonna have some of that too. <laughs> he's up. all over the place. Right. He grazes on anything you put in front of him, which means he ends up like consuming some really bad stuff. Um, and it comes from a, to your point, a good intentioned place of legitimate curiosity, mm -hmm. right? Which we want, which we encourage and which we say is like a good trait to have, but unrestrained curiosity will cause you to consume some really bad stuff. Right. Um, and the reason because of, well, because the reason of the all the messages, it's now possible more than ever to like consume poison ivy. <laughs> right. 
The reason we know poison ivy is bad in the first place is because someone had unrestrained curiosity. If everyone kept doing it, if everyone kept touching it and eating it, we might call those people stupid. Right. It's like some children find out the oven is hot. Well, they got to touch it. You can tell them, like, it's hot. Don't do it. I'm going to find out for myself. Okay. All right. Well, it's a perfect example of why you have to hold the gate on values as you're broadening your perspective, as you're humanizing people. Um, You have to, you have to under, you have to have some sense of rightness and wrongness in in the most general of ways, right? Um, That, okay, you come on my show, you can't talk about hating Jews and wanting to kill Blacks or wanting to rape women or whatever your hate game is you know you right. there's a there's a certain uh, code of values that one right. must employ in this space right absolutely and, and it, it's not a religious thing as much as it is just human decency yeah no absolutely and and like the reason i i, I took us down this sort of unplanned you know unplanned detour is because we typically on this show we we don't typically get into sort of the like media criticism arm uh very often like that's not this is not sort of what we do but we talk about like context and nuance the body that should be providing that is the media and even with the death of things with the death of newspapers for instance there still is just way more media to consume now than there's ever been. Newspapers have died, but podcasts have exploded. YouTube has exploded. TikTok is a new source of political news. Twitter, Facebook, the blogosphere, whatever. There's more to consume than ever. And that has not resulted in a diminution of partisanship or political or highly charged thinking, it seems to have heated it up. It seems to have driven people further apart, which means that the body whose job it is to solve that appears to have not done his job. (laughs) Well, I was just going to add to that. I think one of the reasons why the media was supposed to be the Edward R. Murrow type media was supposed to be the the arbiter of the truth was supposed to go and get all the facts and put them at you. But media, when we speak media, specifically news, has become a highly infotaining. Um, it's, it's a blend because people talk personalities and they want people to like you. And, and you know, news people didn't always talk about being attractive or having personalities, whatever. You're supposed to be like the Supreme yep. Court, they never smile, they never applaud, they they just show up and they, you know, you, you, you're supposed to be a standard bearer, right? And I think some of that's been lost and what we're trying to do in our little community, for one, we're trying to protect it, right? We're trying to protect yep. those values, but you know, that's where we challenge each other. And if you don't, if you're not lucky enough to be in a community like that or a family like that, or be around coworkers like that, you might, go on and, and dig a deeper hole in whatever little space you're in and become more polarized. Oh um, you know, thinking that somehow you're completely right and everybody's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, it can be a big a bit of a problem. So I, I guess my hope is that you know people will start to seek out. Then people don't normally yeah. seek out ways that they're wrong, but you know what I mean. They yeah. seek out yeah communities help I mean, themselves create greater understanding. If you just start there. I mean, I'm thinking in my head, like, and Nick, I'll give you the final word on the episodes. We're getting to the end. So after this, I'll give you the final word. If you want it, you get the final word. I'll so like, it. I'll take it. I'm thinking in my head, for instance, what you mentioned, like Tom Brokaw was for many people, the standard bearer of like, he gives you the news and you don't know anything about Tom Brokaw. <laughs> and then the counterweight to that was like Dan Rather, who was a little more like in, he made himself a little more of the story, which is why there's a certain generation that, trouble too. that it was like, we don't know about Rather. Um, and then now we have a generation that is like, they're all Johnny Carson. Like, they're yeah. not top. They all see themselves as like a Johnny Carson type. They're yeah. all like late night. Like, yeah, we want to be the next Trevor Noah or, you know, like the next John Oliver or like the next Colbert. I, was like, well, I don't know about that. But with that, Nick, I promise you the final word. So go ahead, man. So I think, uh, first I want to uh, like really applaud Josh's like structure on this because I think the thing that he's getting at is that these things don't all exist in a vacuum and they yep. all interplay with each other and they all intersect with each other and they all cause issues for voting and politics and the yep. intersections therein and like so like hats off to, to to the way he structured this and hats off to you Anthony for filling in the gaps of the last two but so the last thing that I want to add in is that I think um the Simpsons does a really good episode on this concept. Simpsons has an episode for everything. But dramatizing uh, news works so well that you don't, you, it's hard to be interested in something that isn't dramatized. Case in point, so um, in an episode of The Simpsons, Bart and Lisa get put on the this like kids news program that uh, some company's doing to like boost their ratings. And um, Lisa is just giving straight up facts. She's just like, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. Bart is put on sports and he's entertaining. He's silly. He's moving the ball around. He's like football. He's moving it around. He's doing whatever. And what they end up doing right after their very first broadcast is they move Bart to be Lisa's co-host to inject some drama, to inject some interest into the facts and what he ends up doing is just sort of bulldozing all the facts and just being a personality and then what happens is he starts a thing called Bart's people where he goes around to different places and like makes a dramatic story about sad people to get views so like he goes to a pond he goes to a pond where there's an old guy sitting and he's like got his bag of bread and he's trying to feed ducks, but there's no ducks. And Bart goes, and Bart goes, um, old man Jenkins is sitting here and he's wondering where have all the ducks gone? Some say that the ducks left. As time goes on, things leave and move on. Other people say he used to sit at that bench over there where you see a, an empty bench of ducks. <laughs> I'm Bart and these are Bart's people and he like it's a little yeah. bit how he's dramatizing something that is so innocuous wow. and making it sad nice. um, and to to the effect of YouTube and TikTok <laughs> and all of these social media like to to bring those all in videos will get more clicks if they're more dramatized um, yep. the, the everything wrong with channel it got so popular because all they do is shit on everything 
Yep. There's a, there's a cinema sins. That's what they're called. Um, and there's another channel. There's another channel that copied it but switched it. That now they say everything great about so and so movie. And so like, but if I if I come out and I say, oh yeah, Thor: Love and Thunder was just kind of eh, and I don't have a strong stance one way or the other, nobody clicks on it. If nope. uh, the title, the title. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder is just okay is not going to do well against <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder is dog shit like that one's going right. to get way right. more clicks right. that's just that's the nature of the beast the more we dramatize things out to the corners of good and bad right the more everything follows suit because it works and that's 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 the issue is that we've found a way to get people to interact always because we have a system that is, especially online, is is driven by clicks, is driven by views, is driven by, you know, getting interaction, and it bleeds into everything else. Just like how the voting it bleeds into everything else, how the virtue signaling bleeds into everything else. Just how like if 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 Bernie came out and said, uh, you know, I I don't really have an opinion about an abortion, versus you know. Um, uh, I don't know. Trump is like abortion is bad always. You know, right. like the people who are in the middle or lean more towards bad abortion are gonna go with Trump because Bernie's meh opinion doesn't get interest. Not exciting no. enough. Right. It's not exciting right. enough. Precisely. Right. And all of these things interact and interplay with each other into a society that I think basically just dramatizes and corners all things, like shoots everything out to the most yeah. possible dramatics and when yeah. you shout out to the most possible dramatics you can't even fathom the possibility right. of the other side right well with with that i want to thank you both for for joining me for these last couple episodes thank you uh, uh for, for for listening you, you guys are listening thank you for listening um as you, you heard here these two were kind enough to indulge me on some last minute edits. I called a couple last minute audibles and they were kind enough to roll with me and uh, make me sound like I knew what I was doing the whole time as opposed to flying by the seat of my pants. But as always, I want to encourage you all to continue the discussion on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you may be. All of our shows here, like this podcast, are brought to you in part by Eliac Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians and Pointcast News. To listen to any of our podcasts, you can visit our website at pointcast.news or subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Make sure you join us next time. Anthony out.